0: Good morning. morning. I hope that scripture reading woke you up a little bit. (laughs) Hey, I didn't write it. Um, We are in Amos for a couple of weeks. Amos is one of the uh, minor prophets in the Old Testament. That's the section that none of you uh, read, maybe excepting a few. you know, Amos, Obadiah, Zephaniah, those, those guys. And uh, they're called minor prophets not because they're unimportant, but because their books are shorter compared to the books you might have heard about, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. But there's good stuff in there. It's not light reading, it's not always fun and pleasant, but uh, it's important. It's in the Word of God for a reason. And uh, it's good for us to, to look at the parts of the Bible that we don't normally look at so that we get a, uh, a more full understanding of how God works, who God is. Um, but, but there's a spirit of distraction and preoccupation in the nation of Israel uh, during this time. Kind of like how there is today on, on the roads. Um, maybe you've seen it, you're in a left turn lane and there's a car in front of you and the left arrow turns green and that car doesn't move, right? You've been there uh, or you've been that car that's, <laughs> that's been in the front of that line. I've been that car where, uh, you know, I haven't done this but I've seen this where the entire light goes from red to yellow, uh, red to green to yellow to red, and that car hasn't moved. And uh, I'm not a honker, I just forget. And so I've just sat there watching like, wow. And, and you know, most of the time, what are they doing? They're on their phone, right? They're on their phone. And uh, I don't want to be a hypocrite because sometimes I'm on my, on my phone and I got to stop. But it's something that many of us do and it, it's a problem. Distracted driving is a problem. There's multiple ways that this can be a problem. Uh, number one was the example that I shared, is that when you're distracted, when you're on your phone and driving like this, um, a few things could go wrong. Number one, you could fail to go. And That's what we just talked about. You fail to go. And this is an analogy. So it's, it's like you, like the opportunity comes to do something, to, uh, to buy something in business or to, to sell something or to make a move or a career change. Some opportunity comes, but you don't go. The other um, thing that can happen is that, let's say you're cruising down the highway and you're driving like this again, and your exit comes up but you fail to turn, and so you miss that exit. Uh, or, you, or even on surface streets, you just fail to make the turn, and so you gotta find a different route uh, to get to where you're supposed to go. But by far, the worst thing that can happen when you're driving like this is you fail to stop. And this has happened to pretty much all of us, right, living in L.A. Is, is, is somebody fails to stop. Either you fail to stop, or the person behind you fails to stop. And we see this all the time, uh, where people get rear-ended, and it causes a lot of problems. That's the worst one, by the way, failure to stop. And um, it's a problem, it's a problem. There are forces at work to try to help us when we are distracted drivers, aren't, aren't there? Uh, when, we're, when we're stopped at a light and we're distracted and we fail to go, what, what comes and helps us to go? The, the honking, honking, honking um, helps us to go. So we don't have to th- think of honking as a bad thing. Just think of it as somebody being helpful. <laughs> in in a very angry, passive-aggressive way, (laughs) being as helpful as they can in that situation. It is honking. It it all depends on how long you honk, right? That's that's the key. A couple of light taps, that's a friendly little honk. That's what I do, beep, beep. Uh, But if you lay on the horn, that's something else. Uh, What do we have for failure to turn? We have Google Maps or Apple Maps, whatever you maps, or if you're from the 90s, MapQuest, right? Um, and uh, yeah, and it tells you, it's a friendly little voice says, you know, turn in half a mile. So we have that for turning. Do we have anything for failure to, to stop, to slow? Um, one of our cars actually does. Our, our car, one of our cars is from 2019, so it actually has a feature where uh, if you're too close to the car in front or too close to an object, it'll have this flashing red light and it'll beep. Uh, it won't stop for you, but it will do its best to alarm you enough to stop. Uh, if you don't have that, you, oh, you just need a terrified passenger. I, my wife does that for me. Sometimes I'm just cruising along and I just hear yelling. And uh, that's when I know I should stop. <laughs> But we have all these these warnings, these these cues to let us know that we're distracted and we're we're heading for some kind of negative event. Well, think of the nation of Israel as a car and the leaders of Israel as distracted drivers. And the, the entire nation of Israel is headed for, they're on a collision course. They're on a collision course. Uh, The nation in this era, it's around 750 B.C. when Amos is ministering. And um, he's he's talking to the northern kingdom of Israel. There's Judah, and then there's Israel, the northern kingdom. Now, the northern kingdom had split off from Judah, and uh, Judah is where Jerusalem was. Uh, where the temple was. And so the Northern kingdom now is cut off from the temple. So they built, a bunch, they built a bunch of high places and they built an altar in Bethel. So they have these alternative places to worship God, which God never condoned. But, but the whole nation is filled with uh, an improper worship of God. But even worse, if you read through the book of Amos, the big problem in Israel is uh, Pervasive injustice and oppression, especially the, the wealthy, the powerful, the ruling class, neglecting and oppressing the poor, the regular folk. They didn't have middle class, they didn't have suburbs. You were either rich or poor uh, back in those days. So it is a small group of, of ruling class people making life hard for the rest of the people. And this is an unsustainable way to live, right? This is not, this is not how God intended for his people to live. And so Amos is tasked along with a few other prophets, uh, is tasked with warning Israel. They're like the, the flashing red light in your car saying, Hey, you better, uh, stop and, and change directions, swerve. Because if you keep going the way you're going, you're on a collision course and, and The collision is this disaster of the destruction of the nation and the exile of its people. And Amos is prophesying to Israel, saying all these high places that you've built, you think you're worshiping God and you're doing all these rituals and you're going to church and you're doing all this, but uh, I'm warning you, if you keep going the way you're going, all of that's going to be destroyed and and you yourselves are going to be taken out of Israel. You're going to lose your land. You're going to lose your homeland and somebody else will occupy it. Well, you know, Israel does not want to hear it. The leaders of Israel don't want to hear it. A guy named Amaziah confronts uh, Amos. Uh, Amaziah is a high priest of Bethel. Um, So not a legitimate priest like the one in Jerusalem, but uh, a priest that the king, Jeroboam, had installed. So he's he's a political figure and he earns his bread by making sure the king's happy. And so all this talk that Amos uh, Amos is sending Israel's way about destruction and exile, that's not good for PR. That's not good for the nation's morale. That just, it doesn't sound good coming on the news at seven, right? Nation headed for disaster. Nobody wants to hear that, especially those who are wealthy and powerful because they're enjoying life. They're going to, they're doing their church thing here. But then they're, they're, you know, they're partying, they're, um, you know, there's excessive drinking mentioned, there's uh, just corruption, exploitation of the poor, cheating the poor, all kinds of stuff happening. And the rich are living it up. They are living their best life. They have everything they want. They have control over the country, they have wealth, they have their position and privilege, and, and so they don't want to hear anything about how the country is headed for exile. They just want to hear, we're doing great, the country's great, the king is awesome, and, and everybody's happy. And so Amaziah the priest tells Amos the prophet, go back to Judah, because that's where Amos is from. Go back to Judah and earn your living there. And Amos says, You must mistake me for somebody who's in this for the money, because Northern the Northern priests, they were in it for the money. They were professional religious people. And and they viewed ministry as a way to earn their income. And Amos says, You must mistake me. You must think I'm doing this for my own pleasure. You must think that I'm telling you this because I like doing it. No, I was a shepherd. I was a shepherd. I was minding my business, managing my flocks, and then God's word came to me. Now, That's a cool thing about shepherds. I I think God really loves shepherds. Uh, Moses was a shepherd. He was tending his father-in-law's flocks when the burning bush, when God appeared to him in the burning bush. King David David was a boy shepherd uh, managing his family's flocks when uh, the Holy Spirit came upon him and he became anointed as king of Israel. The shepherds, when Jesus was born, they were one of the few people that God sent angelic messengers to tell about the birth of Jesus. And so, uh, and Jesus even says, I am the good shepherd, right? And so, I think God loves shepherds and I think what it is is that, you know, shepherds, I think one of the qualities that they have is they have to be observant They have to be observant, they have to keep watch, they have to be paying attention. They can't be distracted because they have to constantly be scanning their flock to make sure none of them are going astray. They have to be scanning uh, the horizon to make sure there are no wolves or bears or or lions or any other uh, predators that could attack their flock. They have to be paying attention to the condition of their sheep, are any of them sick, are they hungry. They have to pay attention to the land because they got to You know, they got to find food. They got to find pasture. They got to find water. So shepherds have this mode, I think, where where they're constantly observing. And so God sees that and and uses that by by speaking to Amos through what He sees. You know, we go through life kind of with tunnel vision. I don't know if that's you, but. Uh, a lot of times, you know, my, my head is just so filled with thoughts uh, and, and I'm constantly scrolling and, and there's like infinite scrolling now in, in apps and in social media and, and there's just news. There's so many ways to get news that I think we can go through life in this tunnel vision where we're, we're only seeing what's right in front of us. We're only seeing what's on our to-do list or in our email inbox. And and even when we're not actively doing things like that, our our minds are filled with, what do I have to do next? What do I have to do next? And this state of distraction, I think, is preventing us from seeing a lot of what God is doing. Amos is undistracted. He he goes to town and he immediately starts scanning. What's going on? Maybe it's the shepherd in him. What's going on in this town? And he sees things that other people don't notice. And so God God starts speaking to Amos. He says, Amos, what do you see? What do you see? Amos, what are you looking at right now? And Amos just happened to be looking at this wall. And uh, there's a plumb line. Maybe they're doing some construction. And a, a plumb line is just a device um, that can measure how upright a wall is, how straight a wall is. But Amos sees this plumb line. He sees the people working on it, but, but then he sees God at the wall. And in that, in that picture of what he saw, he, like who looks at walls, right? I don't look at walls. When I see construction, I just immediately look away because uh, I just don't care, Right? Um, but, but Amos is observant, and he sees the wall, he sees the plumb line, and he sees God standing there. And the message of God comes to him in that moment, saying, "You know, it's time. It's time for Israel to be measured, to see if they're straight or not. And if they're not, then they're going to go into exile." Do you ever see God in the everyday? You know, you could be at a, at a soccer game or you could be flipping through television or you're, you're out there in the market. And some, somehow, some way, it becomes more than that everyday situation where God uses that to show you a picture of who he is and what he's doing. I think that happens more often than we think it does because God is a communicating God. He is a, he is a self-revealing God. But, but what happens when we're constantly living life like this? You know, whether it's driving or I see people walking. I see people walking across the street like this. And I'm like, man, you have a lot of faith in L.A. drivers that they don't actively want to kill you because I wouldn't take that bet. <laughs> I think people will run people over just for the fun of it sometimes. But, but we go through life like this, and, and so we don't see what God wants to show us. We don't see, what do we see? Everything we see now is media. We we don't see the real world as much anymore. All we see is media, and the problem with media is that it's mediated, meaning when you're looking at media, it means it's curated, it's edited, it's interpreted, it's algorithmed to reinforce your biases. The problem with seeing the world through media is that it's mediated. And so you're not seeing it as it is. You're seeing an edited, interpreted version that somebody decided they want you to see. They want you to see the world the way they want you to see it. Because it will produce behaviors and mindsets and attitudes that are advantageous, not to you, not to society, but to whatever corporate, you know, interests are involved in making that. And I think that's, that's kind of this brainwashing that happened in Israel, where King Jeroboam and priests like Amaziah have brainwashed the nation into thinking all is well, we're worshiping God right, and don't worry about it. And it takes somebody on the outside like an Amos, somebody like a shepherd, somebody who has their eyes open, somebody who doesn't own a smartphone um, to see, to see what God is doing. You know, I, I don't do this enough, but I, it sometimes happens to me. Like I was driving down the street and um, I saw this mattress store that had this huge sign you know store closing like I didn't know you could be that excited about closing your store it was the, the store closing sign was bigger than the store sign it was just like they were like we're closing and I, I, I got sad because it was one of those stores and there's hundreds of them right that look like they've been there since the 50s It just and like nothing's changed since then uh, the exterior the signage uh, the the interior everything looks like it was preserved from a different era and, and I, you know, even 10 years ago, these things started closing down, but, but I think COVID just accelerated what was already a declining situation and, and there's just hundreds of little mom pop businesses in this area and in your neighborhood, wherever you live, that are just not gonna be there in two years, three years. And in that moment, when I saw that mattress store, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was, was almost saying like, you know, Steve, uh, that's gonna be a lot of churches. That's gonna be a lot of churches. And that made me sad. Not this one by the grace of God, but, but nobody's immune from the forces at work right now in society. You know, we might think that honking is rude, that screaming stop from the passenger is passenger side driving. But really, these things are warnings. These things are indicators to to help us to understand we've got to do something different. We've got to change. And that's really what prophecy is. Like, people don't like prophets. Prophets get a bad rap in the Bible. They're always mistreated and persecuted. People don't like listening to them because they're kind of negative, let's be real, in the Bible. Prophets are kind of negative, saying that your wife is going to be a prostitute. That uh, To me, that crosses a line, but that's the Word of God. So, uh, not something I would say, but apparently God, you know, that's what God said, because that's what was going to happen to Amaziah's wife. If Amaziah gets exiled, because he's one of the rulers of Israel, and usually... Uh, conquering nations take, take the best and the brightest. So if Amaziah is gone, what is his wife going to do? Women don't work. I mean, they don't have jobs in ancient Israel. So Amos is just telling it like it is, and he's not doing it out of hatred. Never take prophecy as condemnation. It's not condemnation. It's The purpose of prophecy is change. The desire of God in sending Amos to Israel was not to destroy Israel, but that Israel might change. If the king had woken up and said, man, Amos is right, we're doing it wrong, everybody, we've got to to change. And if they would tear down the high places and come back to God, I believe with all my heart that God would have spared Israel from exile. But as it is within a generation from when Amos preached this word, Israel would go the way of that little mattress store in my neighborhood, and they would be taken into exile into Assyria. It happened. Amos was right. He warned them. He said, this is what's gonna happen. But Israel did not change. The purpose of prophecy is change so that we can live into the blessing of God, the favor of God. Never mistake God's patience for his favor. Just because God's not doing it now doesn't mean it's not coming. Uh, God is patient. He is slow to anger and and, um, abounding in love. That's the description of God in the Bible that comes again and again. God is slow to anger. He'll give you a generation. He'll give you two generations. He'll give you half a millennia to change. But at some point, the time comes. The measuring line is there. The plumb line's there. The wall's not straight. It's coming down. I don't want to discourage you today. I just want us to stop going through life like this. Like, we need to stop going through life like this, put it down, go outside for a walk. Go outside for a walk. So much of our thoughts are focused, right? They're, they're tunneled, narrow on the things that we want. We need to learn from Amos and be more like shepherds and just widen that vision. To not just see what we want to see, but to see what actually is there without judgment, without expectation, without wanting it to look a certain way, without an agenda, without trying to spin it anyway, just to say, God, show me what you're doing, to widen your vision, go out for a walk, or go out for a slow drive without needing to get anywhere. Because we're always going from point A to point B, aren't we? And so we miss everything in between. But God is at work everywhere, and He's speaking. I think He's speaking all the time to those who have the Holy Spirit. And the more we can see God in the everyday, the more we can know what God is doing, the more we can understand the times, we're going to be like those good drivers, those undistracted drivers who turn their phone off and who have both hands on the wheel and who have their eyes scanning the front the rear, the side, and they're just in that pocket of alertness. And these are the drivers that get to where they're going without wrecking or causing wrecks by God's grace. So what kind of driver are you? Are you the type of person that drives like this? You know who you are. You got to stop. You got to stop in the name of Jesus. I cast that out of this church because you're going to hurt somebody. But not only in your driving, but in your living. Are you living life just with your head in media and the distractions of your life? Or are you living with an openness to God, an openness to, to seeing what He's doing, hearing what He's saying? I want to invite us to do that, to be a bit more like Amos. We might think it's a waste of time. We might think, oh, but I got my to-do list. Some days you gotta put your to-do list aside and say, God, what do you want me to do? I got my list of all the things I wanna do. God, what do you want me to do? The more you can live like that with an open awareness of God, the better the outcomes in your life in every sphere Because God will begin to show you the reality of your relationship, your business, your career, your friendships. You'll start seeing the things that you didn't want to see. And it it might hurt, but you'll have tools to change when you allow God to speak. And the more you change according to God's word, the more blessed you will be. And the greater blessing you will be. Let's pray. God, thank you for this moment of prayer and this moment of hearing your word. Maybe for some of us, it's the only time in the week where we get to sit in your presence And to have your Holy Spirit begin forming understanding in our minds and in our hearts. And so what a precious time this is. What a precious opportunity it is. To be here with your people in your presence. Hearing your Spirit. Tug at our hearts. Nudge us this way or that way. So I pray that you would do that for each of us. And Lord, I pray that this week, that you would give us moments of open awareness, that you would allow us and help us to to stop going from point A to point B for a moment, and to simply be present wherever we are, to scan and observe our surroundings, to, to see the people, to really see the people around us, and to understand what they're going through, to really see the needs of our city, but also to see how you are at work in big ways and small ways, how your grace still is here. It's it's working. It's at work in L.A. Because you love the city, you love the people of the city, and you want the city to be blessed so that it can be a blessing to the world. So we pray that you would do all that in our lives. Make us aware of you. Help us to see you in the everyday.